Happy Monday and welcome to Reading the Bible is Easy-ish, the video podcast series where we do just that. We read the Bible and we ask questions. We have a conversation with no preparation. This is a Bible passage that um, we are looking at for the first time here right now. My name is Harrison Litzel. I'm one of the co-hosts here on the podcast along with Hogan Brock, who is not here today. Um, and today I have Jeremiah Jones here with me. Uh, Jeremiah and I went to school together at McAfee here in Atlanta, where we both still are um, and met there uh, as we were going through our um, our theological education. So Jeremiah, I, I appreciate you being here. How's it going? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited about what we are going to dive into. Yeah, yeah, I've, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've, I have not seen you since we were in school together. And I remember you and I had Greek class together. Um, I don't remember if we had other classes together, what other classes we did, uh, but I do have memories from that from that Greek class and and the the time spent there. Oh yeah, you were an A student and I was struggling. Um, so I, I definitely remember that class, but it was uh, not a good one. I was I, we had a good group of people in that class, though. I feel like that was that was one of those things where we we suffered together and just working through all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of Greek, Jeremiah, tell us, uh, what's it like for you to read the Bible? What do you, when you read the Bible, what are your practices, habits, tools? Um, for me, it depends on my stage of life. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some days when I just read a proverb based upon the date of the, of the month. And then I'll take Psalms, uh, 150 divided by five. And then, whatever day that is or whatever, I'll say, you know, this is, or, or this is, you know, the number of the Psalms I'll start on for that day. And then I'll read five Psalms for that day. Mm. Um, I occasionally, I, I try to do the whole read through the Bible thing um, unsuccessfully like everyone else, but I found a different way to do it, which I enjoy a little bit more. It's a 52 week read through the Bible. And each day it breaks it out into each day of the week is broken out into say like the, the prophets, mm. New Testament, Old Testament, um, poetry, and some other category I'm forgetting. Um, so I, I like to do that reading through the Bible program um, just because of the way it's sectioned off. And then just the chunks are smaller mm -hmm. and they're just not all over the place. So you can kind of remember the narrative that you're reading versus like this gunshot approach, I feel like when I do the other year in a Bible programs or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of my approach right now. Just kind of feel, feel out how I feel that day. Oh, one other thing. There's a app that I use called Pray While Going or Praying As You Go, or is it Pray As You Go, I think is what it's called. Um, and it uses a, or it's, um, uh ignatius um type of a uh, leading and prayer model and things of that nature um, but it has a scripture that uh you center around um and i use that in the morning when i'm taking my kid to school mm. and then my kid and i'll pray uh, and then sometimes those verses will drive my thought for say that day um because they said something intriguing and i'm like let's just dive into this passage and let me figure out what's happening here so it all it all just kind of I've started to get freer as I've got, as I've grown, I, I would say in my faith, because um, I used to be very like dogmatic and like systematic and like, 
you know, I have this book and I need to go through this book every single day type thing. Yeah, that didn't, that wasn't really feeding me, if you will, for um, the long haul. So I had to change it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I, I do think there are times for me too, where I've, you know, if I try to make myself too many rules and things like that, I think I'd setting me up to succeed. Um, but then I end up reacting against it. And then it, there ends up being this, this kind of shame built in, right? This guilt of like, well, I broke this rule. And so now I'm behind and do I catch up or do I stay behind, you know, and all that kind of stuff just kind of snowballs on you. Um, so those different practices that do give you a little bit more freedom can, can definitely be helpful. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to spring a question on you now that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you, but I feel like you brought it up of having a kid and, and kind of encountering these different passages with your kid. How does that impact you? What, what's different about going through the Bible with a, with a kid rather than doing it by yourself? Man, my daughter can ask some questions. And so she's four um, and she'll hear a word or term and, and she'll ask, you know, what does that mean? This is her face she's in. What does that mean? What does mm-hmm. that mean? And, and I have to really think like, can I, how do I explain this to a four-year-old? So it really pushes me to grow in my, because I'm used to explaining things to adults and, you know, theological concepts, concepts at, at times, all that stuff. Um, but can I explain that theological concept to a four-year-old? So it really just pushes me, um, it makes me really think. And then there's sometimes there's things that we read, for instance, in her, um, uh, the kid Bibles that she has, or that we hear. And I'm like, specifically in her kid Bible, I'm like, they could have explained this better, or they could have used a different word that she would have understood more. So yeah, it really drives me to really think, how do I explain this to my kid? Yeah, for sure. One of one of the things that I've been enjoying recently is that one of the projects I'm working on, on the team that I'm on, we are working on definitions of the Bible for children, right? So we're, th- we're talking about like, what is my definition for the Bible? And if I had to explain this to, I work with preschoolers. So if I had to explain this to a three-year-old or a four-year-old, how do I define the Bible? How do I even describe what this book is to someone who's four? Um, and yeah, I agree. It does. It just makes you stop and think you have to kind of break down all these words that become common language to adults um, within the church, especially, you know, we have this kind of vocabulary that we build up within the Christian faith that people get used to and accustomed to, but four-year-olds, they don't, they don't know what those words are. You know, you have to kind of break those down even further and really kind of sometimes wrestle with it yourself of this word that I've used all my life to describe my faith. What does it mean to me? What does it actually mean? As opposed to just kind of using it as this quick buzzword as we kind of go through these conversations. So I agree with you. Yeah, it, it can change things a lot. Um, but I really appreciate you sharing how, you know, that's a part of y'all's daily practice as you drive. That's great. Um, so, so for you, do you have a, a version of the Bible that you um, are drawn to that you use regularly? What, what, what is it for you? Um, um, I, I stick with the NRSV for, okay. for the most part really depends on the setting too sometimes yeah I, I ain't gonna lie certain settings you know you can't go in there with a certain version of the bible so. yeah no, I but that. i mainly try to stick with the nrsv yeah that seems the nrsv uh seems to be a, a popular choice uh among our guests here um and so we'll we'll stick with that but jeremiah to you uh for today you and i will be looking at uh hebrews chapter 9 uh verses 24 through 28 um, this is one of the passages coming up uh, this coming Sunday in the lectionary, the Revised Common Lectionary. 
Um, and so what we'll do as is our practice on this podcast is we will read it. I'll read it for us from the NRSV. We'll then set a timer uh, for us to, to kind of dig in for five minutes and see, see where it leads us. And so this is Hebrews chapter nine, verses 24 through 28. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once and after that judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. All right, so I will set our timer for five minutes. And then Jeremiah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, you, let you start. What, what from this passage jumped out to you? What, what from there, what questions jumped out to you? What words stood out to you? What, what did you hear? Man, for me, this passage brings up uh, atonement. Um, the whole notion of, of, of Christ's death and, you know, was it for my sins and all that type of stuff. Uh, and I'm also going, I, I, I'll, I'll, or I'll probably preface this with right now, my social vocation, I've been working through um, new atonement theories, if you will, mm. um, and having to press against some atonement theories that people tend to use frequently at church um, to say there's another way to kind of view this. And so this kind of brings up some of that in me. Uh, it makes me wonder and, you know, about that and how we can kind of explain what's actually taking place. Um, and then the blood in the, in, the, in the holy place and the, uh, uh, the atonement that's happening with the lamb in the Old Testament or the picture of what's happening. So yeah, that's, it's, it's invoking all of those thoughts uh, in me. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hear all that. I mean, I think, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. Of This is bringing me back to these conversations of, of atonement and atonement theories and these, these ways we go back and forth attempting to explain or describe what Christ did who Jesus was and what his life, death, and resurrection means to us, right? Um, and I do think that this is one of those passages where, I, you know, I heard you say in there, like the a picture of what happened and, and explaining what happened and one way of coming at it. And, and I agree with you on all those kinds of things of, I think that there is value and, and truth in this passage, but I always struggle when we grasp, when we hold on to one of these images and say, this is definitive, this is it, there's no other way to look at this um because i do think that this is one way to look at it right and i think even within the bible we have these other ways i mean kind of holding those next to each other can give us a little bit a little bit fuller of an of an image um of, of what that what atonement looks like so going back to our, our conversation from a minute ago about you know working with kids and reading the bible with kids talk about the word atonement what what does that word what does that word mean what how would you explain that to someone who hasn't heard it before um, um, I would, uh, say that, um, this is kind of talking about, ooh, 
see even how I define it's going to kind of pigeonhole me to a particular okay um oh um traditionally we'll say atonement is when someone steps in on the behalf of your transgression and takes the brunt or takes the um or, or to a kid uh when you get in trouble and someone else steps in and says hey I, let me be punished for it instead of you. Um, that's atonement. Mm. Um, but the kicker here is that he was punished once, and now that one-time punishment covers all of the wrongdoing you may ever do. Yeah. But to a kid, they're going to say, so I could just keep being bad because, <laughs> because this person is taking or has you know, we'll get in trouble and not me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would, I would have to figure out a better way to explain that. Yeah, that's an interesting point of, you know, I think that here we have this comparison between the temple practices, right? Of the, the high priest going to the Holy of Holy that happens, that happens every year, right? Year after year after year to atone for the sins of the people to make right what has gone, what has happened. And what the author here is saying is like, that's Christ doesn't have to do that. This is a one-time thing forever. Um, the different ways that we hear that of like, oh, great, one payment for anything I do wrong forever. That's a good deal. I can do, you know, this, that or the other. Um, or, you know, showing the power of what that what Christ did for us on that one time and how powerful it was or. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that seems to be one of the kind of turning points of this passage. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that, that's a uh... It's very interesting. Um, yeah. And then the other part is with the temple, they would have to go back again and again mm -hmm. to sacrifice over and over. Um, and when I do wrong, I should, should I have to own it and then say, thank you for forgiving me? Or like, mm -hmm. there's just, there's a, there's a part I think we kind of read into this whole, you know, salvation piece um, right there, because it's like, where's that line at? Like, yeah. do I have to ask for forgiveness constantly? Should I? Or should I just rest in the fact that, like, Christ has already forgiven me because he took on all the sins of the world or he bore the sins, as the passage says? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a tough part for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this um, our our timer's up. Five minutes have have come and gone, and so um, that's where we'll stop for now. But I will ask if you're going to spend more time with this passage this week. If something's going to stick with you, if you're going to dwell on something that you encountered here, what what do you want to spend some more time with? Um, I would spend time with the latter um, part of the verse or the passage, uh, maybe twenty eight. Um, yeah um yeah the 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 part about christ being the sins of of, of many and um and now you know when he comes back it won't be for sin he's going to come back for those who are eagerly eagerly waiting you know what does that mean for me what does that mean for how i live um how what does that mean for how i live in the midst of the sin i am currently committing yeah. um so yeah, I would probably, I'll probably like wade in that for the week. Yeah, yeah, it, 
that does kind of bring a, a turn to the end of this passage. I feel like through most of this passage, I felt like we were just wading deep in these conversations of atonement and, and just trying to figure out what it was that Jesus did. And then there at the very end, it's like, but wait, there's going to be more, you know, that this isn't just about what Jesus did. It's about what Jesus is going to do. Um, yeah, I, I think I want to spend some more time there too. The, the hope that's there with that um, and that this, this isn't a work, you know, most of the passage is about how this was a one-time thing. Jesus only had to do this one time in order to take care of it, but something else is going to happen too. This was a one-time deal, but wait, there's, there's more coming too. Um, and, and kind of that, um, already, but not yet. And mm -hmm. all of that, that's so, so much an aspect of our faith as we, as we live in this time when, um, you know, Jesus has come and, and lived and died and, and ascended, but, you know, we have hope for a future and, what all of that means. Um, I think that there are times that I kind of get lost in the complications of that. And I kind of want to sit with the simplicity of, of the hope that's there. And uh, uh, for me, something else that's hopeful about verse 28 um, is the fact that it says he's not coming back to deal with sin. Mm. The tradition to which the faith tradition to which I grew up in, Jesus was coming back as the ruler, as the judge, and if your house wasn't in, or if it's not in order when he arrives, he's going to burn that joker down. Yeah. Um, and so I, this passage does give me hope as well that God's coming back, but not to deal with sin because it's already dealt with, but just to be with me, to yeah. abide with me. Like that's, that's amazing just to think about. Yeah, I do really like that. It does kind of take the fear out of that it's not about the sin when jesus comes back jesus already, already dealt with the sin that that part's done it's now it's about presence it's about hope it's about um rejoining those who are eagerly waiting yeah thanks for that i, I feel like i feel like i needed you to kind of hit that again for it to finally click with me what what was what was part of that passage there um i mean well that's it that's it for this for this episode that's it for this podcast you know i know i feel like we're just now kind of hitting this passage and, and finding where it is but um, thank you to everybody watching or listening for joining us. If you've made it with us this far, we hope that you like, subscribe, follow, um, share it with a friend or, or somebody else who you think could, uh, would want to hear this this week. Somebody who would want to join us as we continue to, uh, read the Bible and encounter these passages in ways that we hope are approachable and accessible. Um, thanks again to Jeremiah for joining me this week. Um, and until next time, just keep on reading the Bible. <laughs>